Would it help if we all did accents for this episode? Would it help anything? It might. <laughs> I'd, I'd like the bag this accent. <laughs> well, sir, <laughs> I, I just say we give it a good go. When when I was doing that banking thing, one of the people. What was, accent is that? <laughs> Wales, Tennessee. When I was uh, doing this banking no, thing, no, I already bagged well, the south. You uh, got to do something. Two else. people can be from the south. No. Oh my god. The pool of unproblematic accents to do grows thinner and thinner. <laughs> is French okay? French is a bit. I was gonna say colonizing countries are okay, but I think colonizing countries are not okay. <laughs> no, to do the to, accent to, to make fun of and imitate. <laughs> That's a terrible reason to colonize a country. TV's on. I'm not crazy. Let's take the right pills. Every day. We are Hottest 100s and Thousands, and we have taken control of your radio station. This is the podcast in which we talk about the songs that have been deemed hot enough to be in the Triple J Hottest 100. My name is David James Young. I'm one of the four voices you're going to be hearing for the next hour or so. Joining me once again is Andrew McDonald. Yo. It's Adam Buncher. Hey. Nathan Harrison. Hi. How are we feeling, folks? Good. Yeah? Yeah, good. Yeah? No, yeah. actually good. Yeah. I'll, I'll have a good. Yeah. I'll have a good? Yeah. If good's Adam, going. can we interest you in a good? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we'll get one big good and share. Or if you're having good, I'll have some. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just get some good for the table. Mm. Do you get sweet potato good or just regular <laughs> good? Can we get sweet potato good? Yeah, well, well, sweet potato good usually costs like $2 extra for some reason. But it I'm is more like, nutrition. It's sweet potato uh, good. They're both nutrition. Like, they're, you know, they're fine. Mm. Maybe there's like a good medley that has different types of good. Yeah. Mm. If, well, if, if it comes with some fine dips, then that's also <laughs> uh, worth Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. What What's, what's your what's your good go-to dip? Do you go like uh, aioli or do you go like tomato sauce? I'm a, I'm a big aioli guy. Yeah, aioli, aioli, yeah, aioli yeah, whips. Yeah. I think the metaphor broke down. It did. Yeah, we're just talking about chips now. <laughs> we went from like metaphorical chips to literal dip. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Like, the dip should be like, you know, what's your favorite dip? Financial security? <laughs> is, is it, uh, the support oh. of friends and family? I've never mm. tried financial security. No, so yeah. How's that no, going? No, no, no. <laughs> Dipping myself in aioli makes me feel good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. Okay. No, that's, that's fine. Folks, it is time to elevate this shit from good to great. At number 60, it is the return of At The Drive-In with Patton against User. Driving, making their final appearance in the Triple J Hottest 100, coming in at number 60 with Patton Against User from the album Relationship of Command, one of the key singles and uh, career highlights of At The Drive-In, El Paso's finest, Adam Boncher. Hey. Italy's finest. <laughs> Here with us. 
Do the accent. Rumors of my Italian, like... Have been greatly exaggerated. So exaggerated. Like, I mean, technically I am, but... You're the reverse of any, like, you know, like how every American, it's like, oh, like, turns out my great grandmother was once in Sicily. And then you're like, <laughs> mia familia. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's why they call me Ariana Grande. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, yeah. Adam. Yes. This fucking song, right? Yeah. That's not a question. That's just a statement. This fucking song. Yeah. I mean, this fucking song is one of my favorite fucking songs ever, full stop. Yeah. I'm talking top 20. Oh, man. Mm. Of songs. Yeah. That's it. Oh, my Lord. Right? I <laughs> never do this. In fact, I've never done this, but I'm doing it now. Here I'm invoking my power as editor to do this. Ah! That. Ah! That is like probably some of the most perfect seconds that exist in music. <sighs> the opening of that song is the equivalent of like... A gun being cocked, loaded, and shot, and I'm the goddamn bullet because the the rest of the feeling that I get for the rest of that song is just like I'm hurtling through space incredibly fast. I'm putting this on the record. That bit. <laughs> Better than sex. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm checking it in. Do you just decide you're going to do I have to do that now. <laughs> <laughs> I- Look, man. <laughs> oh, so if I say that bit. Oh, my God. <laughs> You've created a monster. I can't believe it's just a, no. Yeah. Hang on, I you guys believe- have been invoking the right edit- as editors many, many times. You've been, you've been throwing shit out all the time. Oh, you know what you should do instead of when we say that bit, and then you can just play a completely a unrelated bit of, bit of music. Oh, I can. like this bit. The top comment on the YouTube video is just someone saying "ba ba da ba da." Hey, yeah, <laughs> it's got like thousands of likes. Yeah, that's the take to have. Oh. Last week you asked me what my favorite drum fill of all time was. Yeah. Oh, Didn't that, take long. He did, and you yeah. even. Oh, I said it's coming up. There I'm it is. Flashback. It's called a forward sell. We're yeah. not doing no. But we're no, not no, doing no. the flashback. No, you I'm just remembering just a memory. Right, good. Because I'm not putting it in. <laughs> I'm having a memory of this. What's your favorite drum <laughs> film? We'll talk about it literally next episode. Fantastic! Wow. Oh boy, that was a good setup. Can you do the flashback noise? God damn it. This is not how it was supposed to go. I know what I am in this podcast. I know my shtick. I know what I do. I'm the guy who comes in and I'm like, hey, here's the fucking big intellectual fucking deconstruction rant of of this particular song. And yet it comes to this song. Actually, one of my favorite songs of all time. I got nothing to say. This song is pure musicality. This is so this song is like pure experience. It does. It makes me feel like I am like ripping through space. I'm completely overwhelmed. I'm completely exhilarated. That's what this song is to me. I don't even have a meaning to really like pass through through the song in terms of like the lyrics or whatever. The best that I could kind of come to, and this doesn't seem to be officially verified or anything like that, but it seems to be, and you can kind of see it when you read the lyrics as well, about yeah. the band's relationship with drug use, and I think particularly heroin. That's what I was yeah. thinking yeah. the whole time, yeah. Whilst I, I, this is on me, I know last time we spoke about at the drive-in, I confessed that I'm not familiar, and I said I would go on this new relationship of command. I did once. I loved it. I didn't go back because I'm a fucking idiot. Um, you got time. But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Look, it, it's still out. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, you know, I, I, why, don't I just, why don't we just do that right now? Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of the episode is just the whole album playing. The rest of the episode entirety. is removed for copy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we get DMCA'd in a fucking oh, heartbeat. Yeah. I know that obviously, and like then famously with the Mars Volta as well, they were 
very, very heavy into their substance abuse. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which and often derailed the band. Well, of that was one yeah. of the reasons that, I mean, they said that they also hated each other, but, you know, the heroin didn't help. Yeah. No, definitely. It never does. Really does. Yeah. <laughs> I guess in small doses, it's a good painkiller. That's, yeah. that, that's its purpose. But And I guess it's responsible for most of Exile on Main Street. Yeah. So, it's- <laughs> so who can say if it's good or bad? Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, wait, the Stones album? Yeah. yeah. No, no. Exile on Mainstream, the uh, the Matchbox 20 greatest hits. That's what I was referring to. <laughs> um, to oh. Do you know Matchbox 20? They're pretty good. Yeah, but you mentioned this other band, The Stones? Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. They were like the Matchbox 20 of the 70s. <laughs> People were saying that at the time as well. Yeah, they really <laughs> were. These guys are real proto Matchbox 20. What's Matchbox 20? You'll, oh, you'll see. You'll see. <laughs> Imagine if that's what Back to the Future was. Yeah, that's it, yeah. He goes back and instead of playing Johnny Be Good, he plays 3am. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, with this song, like saying like, um, it takes the weight out of your life. Pattern against user, like there's yeah. obviously, the lyrics are not direct intentionally, obviously, yeah. like that's the point. Um, well, that's the thing, yeah. he's so abstract, you know. I didn't even realise he was actually saying Circus Carney guarding the gates of heaven. I legitimately for years just didn't know what the fuck he was saying. Because that's the thing, I, I think Cedric is amazing at writing for pure phonetic feel. Mm. Oh, for sure. He does it so phenomenally well. It, it's a, And it's something that he continues into the Mars Volta as well. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. It's just cellar door all the way down. It's just mm. this- yeah. Pure ear feel. Language for ear feel. That's yeah. It. yeah. Open wrists talk back again in the wounding of its skin. They'll pinprick the witness with ritual contrition. That's Amazing. fucking great. Amazing. <laughs> so Isn't it gorgeous? It's almost in like iambic, right? Like it yeah, has yeah, that yeah. kind of flowiness to it. Um, yeah. But it's so interesting to me as someone who... Is real is really new to the at the driving <laughs> journey. Um, I'm very familiar with and really quite enjoy the first couple of Mars Volta records. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. and Francis the Mute in particular. Then going back to this and it being like such an absolute classic kind of post hardcore sound compared to like their almost like the Mars Volta like have got shades of like. Pink Floyd and Genesis and Rush kind of thing like that. Like King they're, they're, Crimson. King Crimson Major. Obviously, yeah, 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 yeah. Like they're, they're a progressive heavy rock band. But also Led Zeppelin, Santana. Yeah, you know. yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, 100% Santana for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but then going back into the, at the drive-in and realizing that like, I agree with you, it whips, obviously. It being such a fucking perfect distillation of that late 90s and I guess at this point early 2000s post-hardcore sound. Yeah. Like it being so different and realizing that they can do both of those things the crossover between like hardcore music and progressive rock is very fucking slim. And the fact that they can do both so well. Yeah. Nothing sounds like at the drive. No. Yeah. yeah. As I said before when we last talked about it, like this is a singular sounding album. It's like, oh, what? I really like that. What else sounds like that? Sorry, man. Yeah, you're yeah. out. <laughs> you, you, you just got to listen to this one album forever. Yeah. <laughs> just, and, and then yeah. maybe like 20 years later, bands that listen to that record will start yeah. ripping it off. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. What's interesting about At The Driving is that there's such an interesting combination of weirdness and accessibility on Relationship yeah. of Command, right? Mm. So yeah. Cedric and Omar, so the lead singer and the lead guitarist, are bringing in the weirdness. And the other three, so Jim Ward, the rhythm guitarist, who also does like a lot of the like key backing vocals, he he does the father wing in the in the chorus here, and he also in their signature song One Arm Scissor, he does the cut away 
So he's like responsible for like a lot of like the hookier stuff. He went down that rabbit hole with his band Sparta. That band was much more in like a post-hardcore, like alternative rock kind of hybrid. And they made like very searing, very like rousing, like big choruses, big guitar sound. Like you go back and listen to a song like Breaking the Broken or a song like Cut Your Ribbon and you can hear, it's basically like a whole song of Cut Away. <laughs> I love both bands like quite a bit, but there was just, something about that perfect storm of that the five of them in that classic lineup kind of working together like this and mm. this song exemplifies that because it has these little weird like lead guitar bits but then it just comes through with this rousing like mosh ready chorus that everyone everyone can just go fucking bunter for and that is just such a perfect storm and it just exemplifies oh just how fucking good they were man so I also uh, last time said I will listen to this album and I did and I've listened to it like like half a dozen times more. Like I've listened to it so really? much. Really? Since I love it. That's so oh. cool. I, w- I wasn't sure how you'd go with it. But you, you talk about like nothing else sounding like it. I, I think they don't sound the same, but I think there's a similar trajectory and context for Refused. Right. Mm. And, totally. And a kind of yeah. finding what is happening in the sort of punk scene and things around that and uh, like really lacking and so pushing it into something quite new. But, oh man, I love it. Like, the the one two punch like of opening is it Arcasinal? Is that how you Arc Arsenal, I believe it is. Yeah, Arc Arsenal. Yeah. yeah. That into this song. <laughs> this song also like it is fucking Riff City as well. Like mm. the guitar just uh, the, oh, it, it's so good. Like it's just But so it also good. doesn't feel like it's a riff song. No, yeah. Like it, you you wouldn't think of it with like best riffs of all time kind of thing. Wouldn't but when sully you, it with that. No, yeah. <laughs> but like it is just like the guitar, like the tone and the texture of it all, and like it's like it's angular in parts, but it's smooth in others. Like they're fucking doing man, it's like one of those things that's just like, okay, guitar rock, you can have a bit of treat. <laughs> like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I you can have some aioli. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think as well, like, you know, especially thinking about like that that constant frenetic like forward propulsion of this whole song, there's really nice like even thinking lyrically, the the, the kind of the pressures on each side, like it opens with, you know, the line about being handcuffed to a park bench or whatever. Yeah. But then all the the kind of like internal pressures as well and the, the resistance is there. I think that line about the the carney guarding the gates of heaven is so it's it's really evocative. Beautiful. It really mm. like lines up these these kind of like two ideas that are like poisoned together and and that that idea of of temptation and being locked out of something and and everything. Ah, just- the one that really hit me this morning. This morning after having the the huge history that I've had with this song. It's a, it's a wonderful thing where you actually like sit down and go like, okay, I'm going to going to try and figure out what's going on here. Wormed my way through distant earth is a really great way to describe what it would be like as I imagine it and from what I can tell from the, the, this, the very like fifth hand experience that I've had through media of what it would be like to be like out of your mind on drugs. You're worming your way through distant earth. Mm. Like mm. you try it, it out. It's fucking fun. Transporting makes it look like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> really, I've never really seen the first half, but it seems <laughs> really fun. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's me like, it, like seriously coming to this song and, and trying to like unpick something that's lived inside my body and still primarily does live inside my body in terms of like what this song is. I don't even know what emotion I feel when I listen to it, but I know that it's like an overwhelming one. It's just, <laughs> mm. yeah. 
I think um, you, f- forward propulsion is a really good way of describing it. Like that's it what is, it is. Oh yeah. man, it, it just it's pushing you. Yeah, the whole it just time. doesn't stop. Yeah, it's been so so rewarding to hear a lot of people, not just Nathan. Very rewarding to hear Nathan say it. But um, it's been so so rewarding to hear like a lot of people kind of reach out to us and say, "Hey, like I actually listened to Relationship at Command for the first time," and like, "Holy shit!" Like, there's been quite a few instances Very of cool. that. In- you love to hear it. The hottest bump. The hottest bump. Yeah. It's real. Yeah. It's real. Yeah. We knew it was real. Yeah. 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 <laughs> ATDI should be thanking us. Yeah. yeah 100%. With a five star. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to get a five star from Cedric. Oh, dude. It would be, yeah. Oh, you would. <laughs> yeah. You'd like to. Wow. <laughs> Do we have any final notes on at the drive in? Just for me, I never thought I would ever get to see them. And the fact I've now seen them three times, like, is just such a fucking important thing for me. One more thing. At Yours and Owls, they played at Yours and Owls in 2017. They had, like, their own little section. They even had, like, their own port Fucking Drew from Totally Unicorn came running up to me. He was just like, so he had to tell me something, right? And it's just like, dude, 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 what is it? And he takes out a photo. He's taken a photo of the port that has at the drive-in written on it. He looks me dead in the eye and goes... One armed shit up and just keeps running. <laughs> That's my final memory about the driving, and I'm gonna have I'm gonna have that forever. I'm very proud of that. Uh, yeah, cool. Well, they're only one of my favorite albums and one of my favorite songs, so mm. I can't really compete with one armed shit up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, my final thought is that I'm very happy to have finally gotten around to them. Yes, yeah, same. Mm. One more time. Ah. <laughs> uh. And number 59 is the return of the strokes with Hard to Explain. Number 59 in the 2001 Hottest 100. That, of course, is hard to explain. One of the big singles from their debut album, Is This It? 2001 Triple J Hottest 100. Nathan Harrison, what you got? So this is actually the the lead single from This Is It. This is the first song that that people heard by The Strokes, which I think is a really interesting one. I would have sworn it was last night. I... I mean, I'll uh, yeah. triple check my sources yeah. here. No, yeah, this is this this with New York City cops as the B side oh. was the first release of the Strokes, which mm. I think is a really interesting song to go with. And I, I think for me at least, like it, it's a slow burn more than mm-hmm. like last night and even New York City so- cops is like cool. I get it. I'm in straight away. This kind of plays with quite a few different things. I think it rewards more listens or whatever. Mm-hmm. But that's just an interesting choice then I think for a lead single. Mm. I think this song does a really good job of like that kind of croony verses going into that super fun poppy chorus. And then like there's something nice about that interplay that kind of feels like, oh, this is what the strokes can do. And, mm. and maybe this is something a bit new and fresh that other bands aren't doing or whatever. I like the sort of story of 
him and, you know, a country girl or whatever mm. and trying to mm. navigate that. It's very just like kind of charming and, and cute or whatever. Yeah. But then the chorus, like that, it just, it's great. It's oh, God. So the chorus is so it's, fun. It's so hook. The, yeah. The, yeah. The guitar melody and the vocal melody oh. intertwining the way that they do. That is just something they do so fucking well. And Julian just has such a good voice for it, you know? And I like how in, in the, you know, in the slower verses or whatever, it kind of really plays with the two guitar vibe and lets that kind of shift, even though the part, like the, the song itself isn't shifting a whole lot, but it still feels like it's constantly in motion, mm. still moving around, even though fairly like simple guitar parts and melodies at that point. Like it just kind of keeps the song moving. It just sets up the chorus so well. The layers have a lot of space between them. Yeah. And more than that, there's a lot of space between the vocal expressions. It really it really struck me when I listened to it this time around, but the, like Julian will say something and there'll be a big gap before there's any more singing. Mm, true. And I'm like, that's really yeah. cool. There's that little gap where there's nothing. Oh, I love that. Oh, Do we know the true about what that, that, why that gap is there? No. Oh, really? They lost um, that bit of the tape. No, they, they were recording it and I'm, I'm sure they planned to have the gap there, kind of thing like that, but he had that gap and then they went out and partied and that's why the rest of the vocals are a bit sloppier. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, that, which that very rules. good. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, a huge if true. Yeah, hu- it is a huge if true moment. Yeah, but like it is. I, I like to believe it. And yeah, I can I'd like to believe easily that. believe that these strokes were partying quite hard in two thousand and one. but apparently working really hard as well. Yeah, this well, the, obviously like, they were. They were like really making a go of this. Every every report that you get from people who knew them or were working with them at the time is like the Strokes were working their ass off on mm. this album, which is great. And I yeah. think, I honestly think you can hear that effort. Mm. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like when you listen to Is yeah. This It, there's, it's very smart, but it's smart in a way that's been worked and mm. polished. Yeah. And polished to not sound polished yeah, and, not, and to not appear polished. But like, uh, a, a, we mentioned that quote that I think is is so good. Last time when we talked about it with New York City Cops, where they said, um, we wanted this album to sound like a band came from the past into the future to record an album, which it does. The other quote that I heard Julian say about the strokes that he was using as a guidepost to explain what he wanted to do with the project was, I want this to be like your favorite pair of blue jeans, not totally destroyed, but worn in and comfortable. Mm. Nice. Yeah. That's yeah, what I, this album does feel like. That's a vibe. Absolutely. Hey. There's something I've talked about Whenever I hear a, a great song, um, that there's a tension and there's a paradox between two poles. Yeah. And in this song, it's a tension between being energized and lethargic. Mm. I think it's both at the same time. Yeah. And about being busy, but about also having space. Hmm. Um, and I think that, you know that's really cool. The other thing that I noticed is um, the the sing songiness of the Strokes. I talked in the White Stripes about how I think that childlike playfulness is a really important idea to this era of indie. Yeah, I think this is the Strokes entering in on that part of the table as well. You know, it those those melodies take you back not only to a simpler, more classic time of rock music, but I think even further than that to like music. It taps into that when you're first discovering melody and the time and the, and the kind of melodies, those pleasant melodies that first tickle your brain when you're a kid. The Strokes are playing with those melodies in this song, which I think is part of the reason why it's so comfortable at the same time as just being like impossibly cool. But also like I remember when we spoke about the Strokes last time and also with the White Stripes that um, one of the things I love about that that kind of era of alternative and indie rock was yeah. the... Um, the, the, the guitar tone that's a cheap guitar with an expensive amp. Yeah. Like, I love that tone. And that aesthetic is kind of 
not just in the guitar tone of this song, but the entire production of this entire song. Yeah. 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 One of the other big things that I wanted to talk about with this song, how Christina Aguilera factors into this. This is news to me. <laughs> oh, do you guys me. not know about no, this? this is news not. To me. Okay, so uh, one of the earliest examples of mashup. So this was this was before they were even technically called mashups. This was when they were called bootleg remixes. It is the instrumental of the Strokes, hard to explain, and it, the vocals are "Genie in a Bottle" by Christina Aguilera. So, like, this is just when, like, people are really starting to pick up on this idea. So, like, mashups are really just starting to become a thing. And so, the strokes are in on the ground floor, kind of incidentally, more than anything. This song, uh, very, uh, like, acclaimed, obviously, uh, um... In 2011, NME said it placed it at number three of the top songs of the decade. It also placed it at Oof. number um, 36 on its 150 best songs of the last 15 years. And Rolling Stone put it at number 59, which is the number it is fucking here Ooh. on the best songs of the 2000s. Uh, it's Good very Lord. easy to copy someone else's work, isn't mm. it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Rolling Stone. Mm. 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 Just think it's interesting is all. Mm. Can I share something that Regina Spector said about this song? Please. Yeah. Yeah. Regina Spector. Uh, who we talked about? Friend of the pod. Friend of the pod. Yeah, you know, you know, Gina. <laughs> Wasn't she living with Nick G- Valencia or something? Like bigger than Gina. Uh, they, they were in New York around this. <laughs> Fuck it out. I'm pretty sure she was like living in New York around this time, and like I think she's friends with, with a stroke. Nick- with with oh, the strokes from New York. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. <laughs> yeah. What was her connection to the to the strokes? Like- well, she just liked them. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't. Maybe there were others, but I, you know, she just listened to this song and then said about this song that the Strokes were the closest I had heard rock come to classical because their music is extraordinarily orderly and composed. Which again, I think is this mm. a very interesting tension between the Strokes coming across as organic and and free flowing. But again, you know, I think Regina's right. There is a certain orderliness and composition to this song. Well, I guess that's, um, as you were saying, Adam, like uh, it's a sign of how hardworking they were. You wouldn't be wrong to say that the Strokes have a certain sloppiness to them in their music. But that's really constructed. That was intentional. They're like, no, no, we we want this to sound loose. It's controlled chaos. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just looked it up. Um, Nick Valencia played guitar on uh, Regina Spector's song Better. Right. Uh, from her album Begin to Hope, which oh, came sure. out in 2006. Great yeah, great song. So I think this is based mainly on my most recent listen to Is This It? But this is probably my pick from the album. Hey? Yeah, right. It's up there for sure. I think I preferred uh, New York City Cops. Okay. Yeah. That's that's your that's your pick for Is This It? Maybe. Mine would probably You don't be- have to. Look, that's yeah. a hard <laughs> question to be put. I've thought about this before coming yeah, in. Right. Yeah, right. right. Yeah, spot, so. I, uh, mine would probably be The Modern Age. I really love that song. I don't think there's any... Wrong choices, but the Is reason it? why I like this song in particular. Oh, we didn't ask Nathan. Uh, the best of the Strokes. <laughs> Great choice. It's, it's that. It's like that. Um, Grease uh, mega mix, but it's just all Strokes songs. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> just me being like, this is the best one. Yeah. It's got all the good bits. <laughs> but I think the reason why is the Strokes are always like partially reaching back, but partially like being themselves and being a modern rock band that is looking back to the past. And I think I enjoy them the most when that ratio is more than being themselves with a little bit of that side 
flavor of looking back and i, I think mm. the, the way the the bass behaves here the the, the guitar line this you know sounds like some more songs that they're going to put out in their later work that i think to me speaks to the strokes as i i listen to it and go like oh hell yeah that sounds like no one else but the strokes mm. yeah and I, I like that when they're in that gear the most and this i think this song on is this hit maybe yeah. does that the best so that's fair obviously like the, the strokes have got always a certain amount of pastiche yeah this, this has much less pastiche than some of the others mm. yeah it's a it's a bit more strokey mm. 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 turns out wasn't that hard to explain <laughs> it does turn out that way. Checkmate, liberals. <laughs> At number 58, this is Jimmy Eat World with Bleed America. making their debut and final appearance in the Triple J Hottest 100, coming in at number 58 in the 2001 countdown. That is the title track to their album, Bleed American, which then later became Salt Sweat Sugar from their self-titled album, and then became Bleed American, the title track from their... Self-titled album. There you go. (laughs) Which is still referred to as Bleed American. (laughs) Again, like a New York City cop situation where Mm. it's just like, it was, and then it wasn't, and now it is again. Also, another example of, oh, we'll obviously be talking about their biggest hit and signature song, right? Nope. Nope. That does make more sense, though. That, uh, it, yeah. that it was too popular yeah, for, for the, Triple you know, J. Yeah. Because that was like a strong, like, that crossed over to like... It crossed over very everybody. quickly. Mums yeah. love that song. You're talking yeah. about the middle. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mums yeah. do not like one-armed scissor. <laughs> mm. oh. Generally. Some mums. Some mums. Probably all over it. Yeah. A lot of mums are cooler than me, and I appreciate that. Some mothers do have them. What can exactly. I say? <laughs> yeah. And some people really fucking love this song. Guess who's one of them? Take a wild guess. Andrew? Andrew is a big Jimmy Eat World <laughs> fan. You yeah. got it. You got yeah. it in one. Oh, Andrew, I, what do you like about this song? I'm, I'm, I'm a Jimmy Eat World fan's called Worldies? No, no, I'm going to say be careful. <laughs> yeah, be careful here. Be careful. Because, no, yeah, obviously we're not. Culturally yeah. practicing? <laughs> yeah. Hasidic? I, I absolutely need to, they need to fucking do a show with Gang of Youths. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's the, absolutely. Okay, it can, will heal can, the conflict. Can we, just, can we just show our working here? Because Yes, well, Jimmy Eat World tweeted, when naming your band, be careful about what the acronym of your band is going to be. And uh, oh. then saves the day replied and said, yeah, we know. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm. Against the eventually Gang of Youths got involved and then later Fraser A. Gorman. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh-oh. Yeah. Oh, but I, I will humbly pass the mic back to David to explain his actual love of this song. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, Andrew, as the big fan. I, I, <laughs> yeah, shut yeah, up. Oh. Give it, give it. Give it to the give it to As the, the Jimmy man. Worldwide. <laughs> Jimmy Worldwide. Jimmy Worldwide and I don't care. <laughs> I was on, on the train here, this song came on. I just fucking finished my fucking mother and it just fucking You're talking about the energy train. Yeah. <laughs> 
And it just, there was just a moment where it just fucking kicked in. Like, this might be the mother of songs, and I'm, I'm okay with that. There was just something about that moment, that fucking crunchy fucking drop D riff, the way it just fucking comes in, the way it just fucking kicks off the way it does, like the, the tension and release with the verse, and then second verse, same as the first, which is punk as fuck. I love that shit. From fucking Henry the Eighth I Am to Mr. Brightside, it is just <laughs> such a tried and true method of like, we wrote wrote a sick verse we don't need to write a second one we'll just do the first verse again we're uh, tired we're tired yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's been a long day yeah. <laughs> jimmy world are one of my favorite bands i discovered them obviously around this point wait, um, wait, wait. like top uh, top what top two <laughs> yeah, yeah. rem and jimmy yeah, REM and Jimmy. <laughs> did they consider their acronym like, uh, they're in my top 50 artists on Last FM. You know, when you look at the most played. So top one of your top 50 favorite bands? Yeah, I'll throw them in that hat. Absolutely. Okay. okay. Um, yeah, like, they've been a big part of my life for, you know, nearly 20 years. I've seen them live six, maybe seven times. I wrote an article for Junkie last year when they were planning to come out to Australia for Download Festival. And uh, you can all remember how that went. Not great. This episode was recorded in 2021, the year previously <laughs> being 2020 of the coronavirus pandemic. <laughs> also known as SARS COVID 19. Check it out. Otherwise yeah. known as the spicy cough. How are things going in 2030, guys, by the way? <laughs> uh, since, since that's where you're listening to this? Yeah, yeah thanks for listening to our retro podcast. Yeah. <laughs> it is a retro podcast. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> now it's even more retro <laughs> in the future. Yeah. Right. Have you guys got your vaccines yet? I doubt we have in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> It is funny. <laughs> it's, it is funny, funny. It's, yeah. it, it's funny because it's funny because it's true. Anyway, I fucking love Jimmy World, and there's just something about this song that just concocts everything that I love about this band. The big hooks, the snarling guitar, the way that this fucking kicks off the Bleed American record with such definitive power and authority. It just like kicks the door down. This is their big arrival. This is their breakthrough moment like this is where they transcend from being like indie darlings to main stages at like yeah. Glasto, Download, Reading, sure. Leeds. They just broke through at the right time, right place and they had this in their back pocket and they still obviously played this song pretty much every night and like it just is such a rousing energetic moment. Just listening to it again this morning I'm just like this is just such a fucking perfect fucking song like not a hair is out of place on this song like the big Jim Atkins vocals and then his solo that rips in and the way it just it just descends into the maelstrom at the end where they just continually get bowled over by the chorus it just goes and goes and goes until it can't anymore and it doesn't like like peter out or anything it just it kicks in the same way it kicks out you know so sharp and so immediate it immediately starts and immediately ends yeah, there's just something about that just fucking just sends me, dude. Oh, this is obviously new to me. The only Jimmy Eat World song I know is obviously the middle. With the, it's, it's super horny video that was always on yeah, fucking video yeah, hits. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so like this kind of, I guess like, w- would you call this Midwestern emo? Is there, Would that be accurate to say? Um, yeah. Sort of. Like, Criti- critics they, critics yeah. did. Critics right, did. Okay. Yeah. This with, there, with was, there were second wave emo bands, yeah, yeah. absolutely. But so, here's like, the thing, yeah. right, is that, no one wanted to be called emo at this point. No, it, yeah. And mm. and still to this day, emo is just referring to the kind of songwriting that you're doing 
and it has some loose references to genre. But at this point, it was starting to become very, very fractured. And emo could just as easily apply to pop punk Mm. as it could to something a little bit more punky, you know, coming from a hardcore Yeah, well, fucking Fugazi used to be called emo. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. right? Yeah, Um, exactly. A great, um, just as a quick diversion, if you want to have a good laugh, go to the uh, Wikipedia page for My Chemical Romance and then go to the discussion tab and see the (laughs) huge back and forth that tons of people have had about what's going on MCRA emo. See that mm. right? To quote Gerard Way, emo is bullshit. That was that yeah. was his big thing back in like 2004, 2005. Dude, the- well, that era for sure, like more emo, like yeah, wave yeah, emo yeah. for Hot sure. Topic yeah, emo. yeah, yeah. It's so more about like what fans you're attracting and what mm. they're wearing at your shows. <laughs> yeah, fully. And and the aesthetics that you're putting out. That's eventually where it got, mm. right? Because it's like otherwise, like what is the difference between emo and pop punk? Yeah. If it's not just like an aesthetic choice. Yeah, if the, it, it, that's if, where it led to. Yeah, if, the, if the guys coming to the show are wearing dickies, it's pop punk. Yeah. If they're wearing <laughs> if, if they're wearing gloves that have checkers on them, it's emo. Yeah. <laughs> so listen, like you, I, it, it to me, it's a beautiful thing that illuminates what labels and genres are really useful yeah. for. It's like if you find that as a useful in, if it's a tag you can follow that gets you to a band that you're going to like, mm. then power to you, that's amazing. But if you're spending time arguing boundaries, just question whether or not that's helpful that's to helpful. you, the person you're talking to, the band, or your enjoyment of the thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> You so don't have to post. In terms of thinking about the difference between this and pop punk or whatever, the verses of this made me think of Green Day's basket case yeah i can see that yeah and and kind of at least the shift in how over eight years whatever it is bands like this are talking about problems like their their own problems or whatever yeah which is again another hallmark of emo right that's that's it right so so green day is very ironic and like Uh and kind of enjoying the the fuck up of it or, or you know, like the, yep. yeah, yeah. it's very um, self, self-deprecating. This is not that at all. This is like, I think huh. skirting similar problems, but this is much more like defiant and like attempting to find something uplifting in the commonality of it, which is then when you get to the chorus of this song, which is just like such a big sing-along chorus. Yeah. Mm. I oh, don't man. think Green Day are trying to do that. I think they're obviously still looking for connection, but it's in much more of a like, Aren't we all fucked? Ha <laughs> ha, whatever, we're going to, you know. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Which is really just like horses for courses in a way. It's like th- there's some people who are going to really find yeah. an in to become vulnerable with a band by that joke. Uh, whereas like the the sincerity and the anger and the catharsis of this is going to appeal to a different person. Totally. Or perhaps the same person at a different time. Well, that's it. I, I think, you, you know, know more, more generally, like the irony is not, lifting the weight that it used to or whatever. And so it's about yeah. time to kind of look and be like, no, this is who we are for whatever reasons. Like, this is what we've gone through. I don't know. I think what we're identifying in the early 2000s is, is a change of culture kind of across the board. Like, whatever that wheel operates on is moving and it's moving a lot of different genres in a few different directions. We talked about how, you know, indie rock starting to come through and the idea of what cool is yeah. is very, very different. It's no longer that really jockey rock i think you know yeah. the the sentiments but it's also not the kind of um like pavement or whatever we don't care about cool no. it's it's like we pavement are so cool they are <laughs> so cool <laughs> but like the strokes are like swagger cool yeah yeah. yeah 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 a lot of that heavy lifting is done by the fact that julian is just this beautiful looking man <laughs> but they lean into that, yeah, like yeah, that yeah totally you know, yeah they know that's part of it yeah. too um yeah yeah um so this changes is what i'm saying as mm-hmm. i i think and i think like it's happening 
across the board and it's so interesting to track mm. and it's so interesting how it's not isolated mm. man why, why does every discussion about Jimmy World lead us to talk about new sincerity in literature and art <laughs> <laughs> every um, time every goddamn time yeah, um, this is not for me but I can really see why it has a big appeal there is nothing about this song's songwriting that I could say is bad it's not at all it's just that like that emo sound is a really, really sometimes food for me at the best of times. Yeah, yeah. And sure. And this is not one of those times. Yeah, but, but, I get it. But, yeah. but nothing about the songwriting is bad in any capacity. They knew exactly what they were fucking doing and they did it really well. Yeah. Adam, yeah. what's your connection with Jimmy? Like, um, have, have you seen them? Nah. Nah? But I don't, I don't do shit. I don't go outside. <laughs> Smart, <laughs> pretty, pretty smart. Pretty Again, this safe. podcast is recorded in 2021. <laughs> it is actually safe and smart. Uh, clever boy. But like, did you have much a connection with this band beyond like the hits, quote unquote? I had this record when I was younger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but pr- recently, I've been really getting into the stuff that came just before this. Clarity. Clarity. Clarity is such a good record. Yeah, and even Static Prevails to some extent. Yeah, which, that's a really good record too. Which leads me neatly into the journey that this band took, which I think is super cool, is that prior to this record, their first album, Static Prevail, only sold 10,000 copies. It's only later that it became regarded as a as a classic. And again, you know, for people who want to investigate the pop punk or the emo tag... Those are the people who, who look back to this album and go like, yeah, heck yeah. And it became a, a good performer. Clarity similarly has been regarded as like a, I, I frequently see that pop up on lists of the greatest emo albums of all time. 100%. And I think it's a, it's a reputation that it well and truly deserves. It's a beautiful, remarkable album. But they actually, they were not signed when they were making this album. Oh yeah, they got dropped, didn't they? By yeah. Capital? I don't know whether they got dropped or whether they decided they were just going to do it by themselves, mm. but there was some bad blood with labels. Yeah, and this was all self-financed. It was. Oh, that's just baller. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty cool. It's yeah, yeah. Real, it is really baller. But again, similar to The Strokes, apparently the work ethic was well and truly there. You hear the band saying, like, the way we went about constructing this album was that we wanted to make an album that were you could release any song. Every single song on this album is a single. Mm-hmm. And really, like, constructing it to... to to take their sound and to put it into this commercial clarity that was able to, to, to be sold. Yeah. You'd hate to be whatever, you know, if it was one person that dropped them or, or you know, who created the oh, bad and, blood. And then the middle and comes out. And then the middle out. comes oh. out. <laughs> like, who oh boy. Yeah. So it did lead to them being signed um, afterwards, obviously. and then Presumably you know, a different and label. Were, yeah, 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 it was. Um, and they were kind of made with it. But I, I think like Jimmy Eat World, they're just a great example of that sincere pop punk in, in in a way that you know isn't crappy. It's not. We talked about some really crappy pop punk. Well, this is the proof that this good pop punk. <laughs> Here it is. Like, so you uh, fuck with this song in particular? Yeah, I think this is a great song. It's yeah. a great opener to the album. It's is this like, the opener? Yeah, the opener. Right, okay. it is the opener. Okay, and it's yeah, a really really excellent opener. I think like you know the kind of stuff that they're talking about here as well, like that the bleed American. I think just refers to like the 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 slow death you suffer through a capitalist lifestyle. I mean, the disconnection that you have from other people, the mindless entertainment, the selling your time for labor that doesn't mean anything, and the kind of ennui that you get that you have to kind of then use substances to kind of overcome. Mm. It's like everyone can relate to that. Mm. It's just an, it's an existential statement. Mm. Uh, that's, I can see why Clear Channel banned it from play after <laughs> 9-11. <laughs> if you are unfamiliar, that was the thing. Because uh, I, I imagine we probably have some listeners who are probably too young to have too many distinct memories of the media landscape. 
after 9-11. And that was in, in, in America, the Clear Channel, who became um, iHeartRadio, the radio network that owns the vast majority of commercial radio stations in America, sent around an internal memo um, that leaked um, of songs that were being banned from radio play um, in the wake of the tragedy. And this was obviously on there for the mainly the title, which is why it was then changed, as David said at the st- top of the chat. To but, Salt, um, Sweat, Sugar. Yeah, yeah. But several several other songs were on there. Um, some very weird choices. Yeah, some super yeah. weird choices. Like, yeah. uh, like ACDC had the most individual mentions with seven songs, apart yep. from the fact that Rage Against the Machine's entire catalogue was yeah. banned. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the ones that you obviously are thinking of, any so- any... Tracks that mention planes fire. or towers, fire. Yeah. Um, but also uh, Louis Armstrong's What a Wonderful World because people thought it would be yeah. like, in poor taste. Yeah, that's the thing that really yeah. gets me when I look at the Clear Channel stuff that there's a lot of like really hopeful, gentle songs that are yeah. just kind of like, no, we just want middle of the road. Yeah, we want, yeah. yeah. Just some Bob Seger for us, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> we just got to get on with it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm. oh, but yeah, boy. so... Uh, Sad. Again, like, I, I do wish... that Because I know people who, are, who really like this kind of emo sound are really, really passionate about it. And um, it, it, it always lets me down a little bit that I've never, like, I, it, it just isn't for me. And that's fine. I have other things that I like <laughs> that other people don't like. You have noise. Yeah. Um, so much noise. Oh, man, that sucks that I would prefer Merz Bow to Jimmy Eat World, but whatever. <laughs> that sucks. Um, <laughs> Merz Eat Bow. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I could go a bow. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, love yeah. a bow. Yeah, might do a lunchtime bow. Oh, I guess we go get some bows. Yeah. Bow it up. Smash a bow. Yeah, take, we'll, head, take, take, we'll head down to the bow house. The, yeah, so I wish that I could appreciate them more because this song is very well written, but not for me. And that's kind of a whatever. Well, yeah, this is our very last time talking about Jimmy Walt. <laughs> yeah. Is that right? Yeah, like oh. they, they, get in, they get in one and done. So... Brief history. Uh, they are signed to DreamWorks. Uh, they continue to be on major labels for quite some time, but they never uh, capture that level of success again. Uh, but they put out a bunch of consistently good records uh, following this. If you are going to check any post-Bleed American records out, I would recommend... Futures. Futures. Futures is a fucking phenomenal record. Uh, and Chase's Light, I have a lot of time for as well. Uh, any final thoughts on on Jimmy and the boys? Jimmy and the boys. Jimmy and the boys. <laughs> Jimmy. That would have been that would have been banned. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you, Benny and the Jets. Yeah, you wouldn't have been able to hear Benny and the Jets. Oh, yeah. Jets. Too many mentions of mohair suits. <laughs> yep, it's Elect- on there. Electric yeah. boots. Um, Elton John's uh, Benny and the Jets, Rocket Man, and curiously Daniel. Daniel uh, is on there, huh. which I wouldn't have picked, but. Uh, <laughs> I really like Elton John, guys. Dude, he's yeah. great. I really like Elton. John. That was one of the last like international acts I got to see on his mm. uh, farewell Yellow Brick Road tour back in January uh, yeah. last year. He was fucking great. His band is so fucking good. His drummer plays in like a full suit and gloves. Like he is like dressed to the fucking nines, and he's up there just fucking smashing. I'm like, you're a fucking G, dude. I don't know about gloves. Drumming gloves. I don't know about gloves. In general. Old mate from Death Heaven wears them. Yeah, but I, I think it's creepy when he does it too. Yeah. I think he knows it's creepy when he wears gloves. <laughs> yeah. mm. I think that's why he, he it. wears it. Yeah. That's why he looks at you when he's drumming too. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on, gloves? What's going on? <laughs> why don't yeah. you want to touch things? Yeah. <laughs> Are you scared of putting something down or picking something up? What's going on, gloves? Keep your hands warm. <laughs> that's mittens. Mittens do keep them warmer. I trust mittens. Mm. 
Because that you don't you don't have you know the the dexterity to do anything yeah untoward. Mm. <laughs> Love some kitten mittens. Kitten. Ah, <laughs> uh, we're, we're done. We're done talking about the songs now. We just get to <laughs> hang out with Tim. Yeah. The rest of the episode is just um, us hanging out with Unky un- Tim. Unky Tim. Or at Unky Tim's for tea. At number fifty-seven, it's the return of UMI. This. Is get up. I got a kiss on the neck from a morning cartoon. I'm pulling out the knot, I just can't lose. I'm grabbing my shoulder, turn out the night. I like to smile at me, cried. The lady out, I'm walking on a popcorn pop to get out the smoke. For her husband wakes up, I ask to the asphalt, that's the bad hands. Just get on out. Making their return to the Triple J Hottest 100, coming in at number 57 with the song Get Up. Andrew. David. Here we are. Well, that was a bit much, Mm. guys. Yeah, all right. Fucking calm down. I'm just here for quality control. What are you, Clear Channel? Stop censoring us. (laughs) The one time I like to have any enthusiasm in my voice. Andrew, calm down. Andrew, that was weird. Um, it's like seeing a dog walk on its hind legs. <laughs> so adorable. I know. Oh, um, stop. Not if it walked down a hallway. Uh, oh, no. That would be horrifying. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. Okay, right. <laughs> I think you're like jumping up for a street and like doing a little trot. You're just like at the bank <laughs> and a dog walks in. That's right. And it's, it's got its hands by its side and it's like swinging its arms yeah. in a like normal human <laughs> way. It's got its phone. It also has an, a suspiciously like, sorry, long trench sending... coat that it's wearing. <laughs> um, yes, Get Up, uh, the second single from UMI's fifth record, Dress Me Slowly. And I think, David, you probably have mentioned this in the podcast previously, but there's a bit of a different history with this record than the Peruzzi yeah. records. Um, first time they've been signed for an American label um, and they worked with uh, Cliff Norrell, who... Has produ- whose work has a producer. He's worked with with people as varied as friend of the pod Jeff Buckley, friend of the pod REM. Wish he was friend of the pod Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> why hasn't Bruce ever gotten in the hottest one hundred? Mm. Not even a Bruce cover has ever gotten in the hottest one hundred. Oh, oh wait, I tell a lie. Goes to Tom Jode. All oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so. Yeah. Yeah. You caught that very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> and he's worked with even names as big as Mick Jagger. So this guy is. A very big deal producer. And he was working with UMI for this. And Tim said he had a great time working with Cliff in particular, but he didn't like the whole process of recording this record, saying he was, he said, um, I hated the American guys and the English guys who were asking us to modernize our sound. We're just so unsuited to that. And then referring to himself, he says, uh. I've got the voice of a 12 year old girl and the mind of a 70 year old Darrow. <laughs> <laughs> Which Tim. We love you. We love you so much, Tim Rogers. Yes, but then he does say, um, I love that record. The actual recording of it with Cliff was an absolute joy. Yeah, and I think you can tell there is a little bit of a difference sound with this. There's, there, yeah. it's, it's not quite as freewheeling as like, say anything from Hourly Daily. Mm. But what is still true is that Tim Rogers has so much swagger <laughs> yeah. and it comes through. Uh, not yes, just, sir. Even when you're, like, you're watching this the video for this or watching live performances of this or watching him do it live, mm. Tim always, like, he's cooler than cool, 
but also the swagger comes through in his vocal performance. 100%. You know what? Without even having to go to YouTube or anything like that, I can immediately picture the band playing this song. 100%. You know, you've got Tim up front, like chopping away at the guitar. His arms are kind of flailing in time with the beat. (laughs) You've got Davey Lane off to the side. He'll occasionally like slide over and like, (laughs) like bend into the guitar notes and stuff like that. He'll like run back to the mic to do a get up, get up, and then occasionally run over to Andy's mic so they can do a (laughs) get up, get get up together. He's spot on. Exactly that. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Andy's in the corner laying it down and Rusty is up the back doing his classic salute snare drum salute snare drum <laughs> drum move because he has he has that down pat who's he saluting uh just the, the crowd like the, the troops yeah the tro- <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just a thing that he does while he's play- it's one of his little tricks you know you know yeah. how some drummers will like twirl their drumsticks or like catch him in the air and shit like that that's just his thing he'll like salute while he's drumming and it's just a fun little thing that he does while he's playing he's just a very good kind of robust big swinging ringo style player it's so weird to think it's been like 20 plus years and Davey is still the new guy quote unquote <laughs> but like it is now so hard to pitch a UMI without him this is such a great example of that you know the the way that he plays his tone he colours in so much of this record and this track in particular and D- Davey Lane was the, was the new guitarist that they brought in yeah, for this yeah, album yeah. he joined for this album yeah, yeah okay yeah. okay Dress Me Slowly is his first like official mm. appearance uh, as a member of UMI which he has continued to be uh, ever since uh, playing on all of their records, including their most recent, The Lives of Others, which yesterday yep. at, at the time of recording uh, debuted at number two in the Aria album charts. So Very congratulations cool. to the band. That is the highest they have charted since uh, this record, I'm pretty sure, which came in at number three. Yeah. Um, and obviously yep. back in the day, they had three consecutive number one albums. So they've had a pretty good run on the charts. Enemy of the show, Delta Goodrum, unfortunately, <laughs> keeping the keeping the boys down with her number one album. Come on, sell less albums. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Do it. <laughs> Do it. Be a friend. Um, be a friend. Yeah. But this, um, this is just a song about like, just getting shit done, yeah. Yeah. It's just like time to fucking like get up, get it, shit yeah, done. Well, like. that that hook has been used Clean so many room. times. Like <laughs> REM have a song called "Get Up," which uses the exact same "Get Up, Get Up," and to tie it in, Jimmy Eat World have a song called "Big Casino," and there is a hook in that song that also uses "Get Up." Get up! Like in the exact same cadence. So, th- man, yeah. mu- musicians are so horny for getting up. Oh. Yeah. I thought you were going to be like, they have a song called Big Casino, and if you're lying on the floor of Big Casino, you would have to get up. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> musicians also like getting down. They do. Oh, they True. really do. Well, I guess if you get down, you do have to get back up at some yeah. point. Apart from the very last time you get down. Has a pain jumped up to get down? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They were referencing uh, uh, MC Isaac Newton, of mm. course. Yeah. Mm. Caught the apple. <laughs> 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 Looking yeah, around, did you guys see that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> he didn't catch it. He dropped it yeah. and he blamed it on Granny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so but it, even though this is sanitized, it's probably too strong a word for the change. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry because that, that makes it sound like I'm being harsher on this very enjoyable song that I am. But there, for, for want of a better term. It is a bit more of a sanitized UMI, but the songwriting is still there. The swagger is still there. Tim's vo- voice is still there. The band are all still in fucking form. It's not as good as anything on like Hourly Daily or something like that, but it's still fucking UMI. So it's still yeah. good. Yeah. I've struggled to get excited about this song. Mm. 
it kind of passed me over and I was like, mm. I, I don't know if it is just the production or the songwriter, but like... Did you know this one before? No, I don't think so. Yeah, right. Nothing much grabbed me. I love the end, the if I could live just one day without being sorry. I, I want it bigger. It's yeah. at a six, I want it at an eight. Mm. That's fair. Yeah. That's the part of the song that grabs me. Nothing else really grabs mm. me. Like they, they, they sound good, but it just kind of, I don't know. I guess the, the, the chorus isn't enough for me to grab onto. Mm. And, I don't know. Like it's not but, bad, yeah. but I'm just but like, that's the, th- like, that's oh, the thing. I'm, it's it's still UMI. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's it. Yeah. That's it. Like, yeah. like he's hanging out with UMI is good. It's yeah. just it's, it's, it's objectively good. Yeah, it's a nice thing to do with your time. I also think that especially there's still some very choice uh, Tim Rogers lyric writing going mm. on in this song. Expressions like like a smile after you've cried. I'm all thumbs and toes with the way that it comes and the way that it goes. And I want a life dedicated, not this endless parading. It's just like, mm. I don't know how much he rewrites his lyrics or how much it just kind of comes out. And he has a really unique manner of expression. I believe maybe, you know, it maybe started as something a little bit more deliberate. And then once he found his own groove and his own style and his own kind of idioms, it became more natural. Mm. Um, but those lyrics to me and, you know, lyrics in countless other UMI songs could only have been written by him. He has such a strong voice, even in his word choice. Mm. And I always appreciate it. And it always is one of the things that delights me most when I come to a UMI song. So I'm very pleased that there were still some lines that kind of gave me that in here. But I do agree that, like, it's almost like too structured. Yeah, yeah. maybe. It doesn't have enough rough edges to it compared yeah. to, like, you know, we talked about how... Uh, way, way back, Berlin Chair. We talked about the beauty of that song is like really in the fact that you hear the band trying on trying to mm. hold on and trying to get oh, there. God, they what sound a fucking perfect song. Yeah, yeah a, man. Should be the national anthem. Um, but like here, it sounds like everything's a bit, again, it's like that thing we talk about, a bit too under control. Yeah. A bit too, it's a bit too like confident. And in a way, I, I kind of want UMI being a little bit more self conscious. That's where yeah. I like them to sit. Okay. As much as Tim, uh, like Tim Rogers is the biggest rock star in the world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. UMI will return right now. G'day, Tim. <laughs> You're back, mate. <laughs> oh, what did you forget? <laughs> uh, yeah, I was going to say, got my hat. <laughs> and number 56, it's UMI with Kick a Hole in the Sky. UMI making their return to the Triple J Hottest 100 of 2001, coming in at number 56 with Kick a Hole in the Sky, not to be confused with Kick a Hole in This Guy, which is what he did to Mark Holden a couple of years later. <laughs> really? <laughs> oh, do you not know that story? I don't know that story. Um, so UMI got dropped uh, from BMG. Right. Um, 
And this was around the time that Australian Idol was happening. Sure. So a bunch of acts got cut from Sony BMG in order to make way for... Not just the winner. Yeah, but like... <laughs> But when eight of the losers, yeah, 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 <laughs> including including previous guest of bar bands Rob Millsy Mills, uh, who sold roughly forty copies of his debut album. Those official numbers, roughly. Eventually, Tim Rogers uh, saw Mark Holden at an airport, confronted him, and there was a there was a scuffle involved. Right. I personally wouldn't want to get punched by him. Oh no! Uh, if I was going to get punched by anyone, well, I'd pick it like a baby. <laughs> You pick a baby. Well, that wouldn't hurt. Then. <laughs> I'd like if I had to get punched by someone. I'd want it to be someone who who. Are, oh no! I'd, I'd pick a heap of, a rich famous person and sue them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, like, good. Peter Dutton can oh, punch me. I would love to get punched not, by Peter like, Dutton. That's going to be bad for him. Pick a streamer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm just, oh, Andrew's gone horny. <laughs> I'm gonna get punched by Amaranth. No. <laughs> what have you done? Do the PewDiePie. Get him to punch you in the face. I think Andrew's still no, I'm going. No, I'm too busy thinking of all the pretty Twitch streamers that I don't watch because I'm a regular guy. Yeah. <laughs> cool regular guy in the house. Yeah, but this song, like, we've already gone through the majority of the issues about with the production and stuff like that. So this song, I think, is it kind of just like, fuck the haters, yeah? Like, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Again, there, there, there is the same... The same issues with the previous song of it just sounding like a more sanitized version of the UMI we know and love. Yeah. This this is like the most mainstream yeah. rock that I've heard UMI be. And I don't I didn't I didn't ask for that. I don't think this was a, v- a vote for the band, a V for the B, as we say. No, no, I can see how people would people, like it. I can see how people would like it. Yeah. But, but I do think that there is a certain amount of good faith that UMI have earned that will make people enjoy this more than perhaps otherwise. That happens, right? And that's fine. You yeah, and I yeah. have earned that good faith. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Yes, they have. Mm. Yeah. But like, again, it's the, the, the same kind of thing. It's like, there's still parts of this, that Tim Swagger is still great. The band are still in good form, but the edges are too neat. Yeah. I want messy edges with you, am I? I want to feel that drunken rock and roll swagger. That's the energy I want from them. Yeah, I just want a few messier choices. Like the the riff that comes in after the chorus is just like, oh, it's that riff. Yeah, you know mm. what I mean. It's very much like you know, yeehaw rock and roll. And look, <laughs> that's fine. Some people love it. Like people people would be listening to this going like, oh, what a what, kick f- in, what a kick and rock riff. Great. That's, I mean, like I you know I'm not right. Yeah, I guarantee some people <laughs> are listening to this thinking like, what the fuck, guys? Those are two of my favorite UMI songs. Cool, yeah. you're not wrong. If if that's the case, fucking at us. It's okay. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. Let us know. Like, yeah. But we can still be friends. Yeah, it's fine. I'm not saying it's bad. <laughs> getting hyper defensive. <laughs> um, well, just punch me in the face then. Uh, it can be you. Yeah, this uh, is Peter Dutton's favorite. Uh, Imagine if that was a comp. We were just like, we're giving one lucky listener a yeah, chance to like, punch us in the face. Oh, do they get to choose who? No, it's like the fucker fan contest, but it's the punch and Andrew contest. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it's just you, is it? Oh, well, you can get punched as well. No, I just wondered whether we were going to offer the choice. I'm just punching this up. Tell us which host you want to punch and why in 25 words or I less. I don't want this to happen. <laughs> I do. <laughs> get really depressed. Well, I got six votes for me. Well, I got nine votes for me. Oh, <laughs> any votes is sad. <laughs> yes, but look, it's still UMI, so it's still good to hang out with. But again, it's another thing where it's like, like I can see why they were upset with the producers. Like obviously, they, like Tim's in Tim's world, he still loves this record and he loved working with Cliff. That's fine. But like, I want, I, I don't want an Americanized, sanitized UMI. I want Sydney UMI. Yeah, yeah. Th- there's something about because the song is like 
kind of a bit sprawling. Like it goes, you know, mm. not meandering, but like I, I think if I didn't know it was you or my and, you know, I didn't recognize Tim's voice, I wouldn't give this another go. No, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, that's I, that's big time. Yeah, I think Get Up is better than this. Yeah, yep. I think so too. And Get Up still wasn't incredible. Yeah, but yeah. again, it's again, it's still fine to hang out with the boys. <laughs> yeah, Tim, thanks yeah. for having us over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Appreciate. Thanks for the cuppa. It's mm. been it's been nice hanging. Nice nice catching up. Yeah, you know, it's always nice catching up, even if. You know, you're not sounded as great as you <laughs> <laughs> previously. Yeah. Even if you're down on your luck, mate. How do you go with this song, David? You know what? I have a bit of time for it. This is obviously like a transitional period for the band. New lineup, figuring out who they are now that they're a four-piece and like trying to appease a different audience than they're used to, which I find kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's, it's like interesting how that kind of always kind of goes the same way. When yeah, you, when you, just label shit. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. yeah. As, soon as, as soon as it starts being about other people and trying to hit metrics that you didn't assign yourself or you're not just trying to write songs that you dig, mm. you know? Yeah. Very rarely are you like, and that's when they got good. Yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. like, hey, I, I would be super interested in- I guarantee there are some. Dab- oh, definitely. sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know, the, ba- the, the band who like, who maybe didn't spend as much time- constructing things but had just like raw talent and raw appeal yeah. and then they had a producer come in and, and absolutely kick their asses and be like hey you know this is how you do it guys mm. you know and like but show them the yeah. ropes I, I feel what's interesting is like there aren't heaps of Australian acts that have crossed over like stateside that are like thoroughly through and through Australian you know what I mean yeah. like Tame Impala has like a kind of an international flavor already with their kind of sound. Tones and I, monkeys live everywhere. So, you know. <laughs> they don't live in Australia. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, you're really right, man. Like I, I know the majority of our listeners are Australian, but our international listeners, when we've spoken about these to us songs that are deeply familiar, like UMI, yeah. or like when we talk, certainly when we've spoken about Friends or Rom, yeah. like people have remarked being like, oh, I've never fucking heard of this band yeah. at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like mm. to me, like everybody in Australia knows who fucking UMI are. Yeah, because like they'll, they'll play like theaters here and then they'll go and play like a tiny little pub mm. in or, 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 or a bar in, a, in, <laughs> in New York, you know. <laughs> I'm sure like I that. talked about, but when we talked about Prisoner of Society, but I remember showing an international student friend that song in a car sometime and they yeah. were just like, uh-huh. Like, oh, <laughs> this is a no, really big no, song. No, you don't get it, man. You don't get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's quite important. Yeah. You don't get it. He's a prisoner of society. Yeah. <laughs> Do you not have society over there? Yeah. Do you not have society? <laughs> yeah. You definitely got prisoners. <laughs> <laughs> Everywhere does. <laughs> yeah, you, you know what I mean? Those are like, it, it is kind of interesting. Like my sister and I made, made this joke. It's just like some bands can't like, crossover because like it just feels weird when an American says their name like you can't hear an American go yeah I, I, I love cold chisel <laughs> yeah and UMI yeah UMI are a great rock band reading American reviews of UMI albums is always super interesting because yeah. like, like the ones that are really positively received they're like it sucks that these guys don't have more of a following like these guys are great like reading like reviews of hourly daily and then like like mm. oh man yeah to you that is weird to ask their UM fucking I. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Mm. But yeah, it's it's always interesting to see like the international relationships that they have kind of accumulated over the years. They were on the first ever Oasis tour when they came mm. out to Australia in the mid-90s. It's a good fit. Yeah. yeah. But also, uh, just to tie it in with someone we were just talking about, 
when UMI were touring this record throughout 2001, their support act was The Strokes. Whoa. Yeah. Their support was The Strokes. This was just as the, as the album was coming out. I also just want to bring this one up because we were talking about like their international. This is a review from 1996 of them playing in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. They are opening for a band. UMI let loose a barrage of fun-filled tunes that had us enslaved to their magic. They had the crowd dancing away. Enslaved? Yeah, I know. Weird. Slave to the rhythm. I guess that's what they were going for. Uh, um, word choice. Yeah. Slavery's not fun. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking look at yourself. Do better. Do mm. fucking pull your socks up. So everyone was there to see them, but uh, UMI were opening for another band. That band was Nickelback. Oh. Ooh. Uh, a mm. young Nickelback in July of 1996. This is like five years before they are the biggest band in the world. Actually, probably around this point. Inexplicably absent from the 2001 <laughs> Hottest 100 is how you remind me. But uh, look well, out for that postal vote. I was going to say <laughs> I'm now conflicted between picking How You Remind Me and Forever by Kid Rock. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to be sick that day. Sophie's choice. (laughs) Sophie's choice. But yeah, UMI as like such a distinctively Australian thing, trying to appeal to something outside of that Australian bubble is so fascinating. I I try and think about this and more I think about it, I'm just like, oh yeah, like I can see this getting played on college radio next to like teenage fan club or something like that. You know, like Mm. I can see it kind of just slipping by, but because of that, it does lose a little sense of that, you know, distinctiveness and that kind of UMI swagger that you were talking about. It's still there. And like, you definitely get it more when they play it live because, you know, it's a bit faster and it's a bit more rowdy and, you know, it's kind of a bit looser. But yeah, when it's all kind of like contained in here, it feels a little colouring in the lines, you know? Mm. Like, it looks good, mm. but you, you're you're used to fucking Tim going in with a palmer grasp and a red pencil just going... Meh, 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 yeah. meh, 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 meh. That's a really good way of putting it, yeah. Yeah. Again, still nice to hang out with the boys. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> that brings us to the end of yet another episode of Hottest 100s and 1000s. Thank you so much for listening. We love you. We appreciate you. Before we get out of here, we are going to pick our favorite, our least favorites, and continue that ever-continuing story of carryover champ and carryover chump. Now, this, this is a tough one, honestly, because, like, it's just a great run of songs. My favorite was at the drive-in, Patent Against User. Uh-huh. Terrific song. My champ remains Hotel Yorba by the White Stripes. Mm-hmm. My least favorite was Bleed American, but that's just because it's not for me. So my chump 100% <laughs> remains Good Charlotte. You don't have anything against J.E.W. Yeah. Yes, I, I, I will yeah. definitely go on the record saying that, <laughs> yeah. yes. Yeah, you're very pro. I'll <laughs> gladly say that. Well, I was just talking about the band. Yeah. <laughs> my favourite is also at the drive-in. I'm going to hold on to one more time as my champ, but um, I've really enjoyed getting into at the drive-in. Hell and, yeah. And that phenomenal yeah, album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think my least favourite here might be Kick a Hole in the Sky. Um, but okay. obviously, it's not new chump material. I'll yeah. hold on to Good Charlotte for that. Yeah. Big toss up between Bleed American and Patton Against User. Um, I love both of those songs. And I love Hard to Explain as well. Like, <laughs> fucking stellar songs. Like, like that chunk, man. It's just, it's a really fucking good chunk. What we can know. I say? We talked about them. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a great podcast episode to recommend to you yeah. if you like those songs. Check it out. <laughs>
Look, I'm going to go bleed American because I know Adam is going to do what he's going to do. And I am going to... You don't know me. (laughs) Oh, don't I? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, least favourite, kick a hole in the sky. But I'm definitely keeping uh, my chump of the shame of life. And uh, yeah, one more time is just that special. I I think I'm going to have to hold on to it for a little bit. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> Make me go last, but it is the least surprising yeah. thing I want. Like it pattern against user is legitimately just one of my most listened to and most loved songs ever. Of course it's my champ. I don't yeah. imagine yes, sir. fucking huge if it's not by the end of this <laughs> countdown. What mm. what would transpire? Ooh. What would have transpired? Wow. Uh my wow. least favorite is kick a hole. Um, but <laughs> it's still super heist is my champ. Yeah, fair. <laughs> Day one chump. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. On behalf of Mr. Nathan Harrison. Bye. Andrew McDonald. Good night. And Mr. Adam Bunn. My name is David James Young. Everything is good for me. Hey!